Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. We've got another listener Q&A episode coming your way, and today we're going to have questions like looking at ways we can declutter our phone, how we can reestablish our routines, and also what to do when we're taking on a heavier workload and how we can equitably manage our time. If you'd like to leave your own question for a show like this, you can just go to hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. And if you'd like the show notes for this episode, you can also find those at hackingyouradhd.com slash building touchstones. And before we get started, I just want to make sure and remind you all to go check out ADHD Diversified. This is the newest podcast to join the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network, and I have to say MJ is doing a fantastic job with it. You can find it on pretty much every podcast player, so just search for ADHD Diversified, or you can find links in my show notes. It's definitely worth your time to go check out. So that name again is ADHD Diversified with MJ Siemens, and be sure to go and subscribe. I'm sure you'll love it. All right, keep on listening to find out what's been blowing up my inbox. Hi, I was wondering what was the Google program that you used to go ahead and digitalize your different files and back them up? Another question I have is when your phone gets full of photos and information, how to go ahead and free up some space without going ahead and breaking your bank. My name's Elaine. Um, thank you. I hope to go ahead and hear this in a future broadcast. Thank you. Bye. All right. Thanks for that question. So the service I use from backing up my files is Google One, which is basically just an extension of Google Drive. It's easy to find. You can just go to one.google.com. I pay $1.99 a month for 100 gigs of cloud storage space, which I use to back up my important files. Right now, I'm only using about 40 of that 100 gigs, but if I have to upgrade at some point, I can get 200 gigs for $2.99 a month. I find it really easy to use to back up my files since I can just create a folder on my desktop that mirrors my Google Drive. And just a note here, I'm not affiliated with Google in any way here. They aren't paying for any ads. This is just a service that I'm currently using. I'm certainly not going to say that they are better than any other service. The main reason I use them is because it's easy and convenient, which is mainly because it integrates with my Gmail and my Google Photos as well, which we'll talk about in a minute here for that question as well. I mean, if I was using more Apple products, I'd probably use iCloud because of its ease of integration. Or if I use more of Microsoft services, then maybe I'd probably use OneDrive. For me, it's a lot about what's going to be easiest for me to back up my files. Uh, with that said, I also use an external hard drive to back up my files locally. Really, the name of the game with backups is redundancy, so backing up in more than one place is usually a good idea. And ideally, it's a good idea to try and create a schedule for when you're going to try and back up those files, or even better, set up a program to do it automatically, because with ADHD, we're not going to remember that we need to back them up until it's too late. Now, onto that second part of the question, how to free up some space without breaking the bank. Well, the first thing we're going to want to look at is what we're keeping. A lot of the time, we're saving up a whole lot of stuff that we don't really want or need. And with our phone, we can start off with apps. Our first step is going to be deleting those apps we don't really use. It's amazing how quickly our phones can fill up with apps that we downloaded, but maybe only opened once, twice, but it never really made it into a rotation. 
I mean, I even have several podcast players that are just sitting on my phone because I wanted to try them out. And the question then is, how long do I let them sit on my phone until I either delete them or actually try them out? I'm going to give you an easy out here. Just delete them right now. But here's the caveat there. If that didn't sit well with you, then mark a time on your calendar that you're actually going to get those apps out. Of course, apps are only going to be the first part of this issue. Our next place to really look is our pictures. I know with my phone, I have way more photos than I really need to. I take tons of pictures that I'm never going to look at again. Old grocery lists, reference pictures for things I need to remember, etc. So we just need to go through and delete those photos we don't want. We can make this process easier by just thinking in terms of keepers, maybes, and rejects. And our first pass is just going looking for the rejects. Don't worry about the maybes yet. Just go through and delete those photos so you absolutely don't need to keep anymore. By skipping the maybes, we're not going to get it caught up there. Of course, keepers are easy because these are just the ones that we're absolutely going to keep. And the maybes are where we get to this like gray area that's a little bit trickier. Do I really need all those pictures I took during my son's last birthday? Well, maybe, but maybe not all of them. I can go through and delete the duplicate ones, and then I can look at the ones that I maybe don't really have an emotional attachment to. Often, these are pretty pictures or interesting pictures. So the way I try to think about it is, well, in five or ten years, what is that picture going to mean to me? Am I going to care that I have a picture of a squirrel that I saw on my hike? Am I going to care about that neat pattern I saw on the fallen pine needles? If the answer is yes, go ahead and keep them. If it's no, feel free to delete them. Because honestly, the reason we want to keep pictures is for our future selves. If our future selves aren't going to care, then we don't need to keep them. And with this note too, we're not going to want to keep all of those keeper images on our phone either. I don't need instant access to years and years of photos on my phone. Instead, this is where that earlier part of the question comes in, where backing up our stuff is something that's a great idea to do. As I mentioned earlier, I use Google Photos for backing up my photos, which I have within Google One. That service is automatically connected to my phone, so whenever I open Google Photos, it starts backing things up. Finally, the last area to look at cleaning up our phone is our music and our videos. This is going to depend a lot more on how you use your phone. Since I stream most of my music now, I don't need to keep much of that on my phone. Just a couple of my favorite albums in case I'm looking to listen to something when I'm out of service range, which is rarer and rarer nowadays. And the same thing goes for videos, only the things I need instant access to, which right now is honestly nothing. But again, this is about how you use your device and about making sure you're designing it so that it works for you. Uh, if you want more tips for your phone, you can also check out episodes 17 and 18, how to make your smartphone ADHD friendly. Thanks again for the question, and I hope this helped. Hi, um, I just had a quick question. Love your podcast. I just found it recently, and I just love how um, each episode is quick, short, straight to the point, very insightful. Um, I just had a quick question on... Um, how would you go about change, specifically like adjusting environments or um, when you're moving and trying to reestablish uh, your routine or start a new one? Um, I'm a grad student right now and I've, I'm having a hard time kind of uh, readjusting to that. Um, the uncertainty that comes with uh, grad school where each semester the, the schedule changes, um, so you kind of don't have a, a, 
a strong foundation uh, to create a routine because that routine will change very often. And even when you get your routine down, for me, it takes quite some time. So until maybe month two, all of a sudden it's finals and I am just adjusting to my uh, routine, um, but it's too late. Um, I just wanted to know if you had any um, tips about that. Thank you so much for your time. Have a good night. This is a great question, and I think a lot of people are really going to be able to relate. So first off, dealing with changes to our routine is hard. I know adjusting my life to my kids being at home all the time and then them going into hybrid school, it has been hard to not only know what I should be doing, but having that motivation and energy to do those things when I get the chance. So where we want to start is with getting back to our daily planning. And I literally mean just writing out what we want to be doing each day. This can be a bit intimidating at first, a little bit mundane, but we're trying to figure out how to get all our routines to fit into our new schedule. And for this, I'm going to actually suggest doing this with a physical planner. Although if you're more familiar with digital, that's fine too. But the reason for the physical is we want something where we can really see what we're doing hour by hour. And with digital, we can often just jam more and more stuff in despite there not actually being the time there. And I find that when I do it digitally, it's easy for me to overfill my day. Although one thing that I used to do is I would write out my daily schedule the night before and then input it into my calendar the next morning. This let me get my hands on it a little more because then I was working on planning it the night before, really seeing what I needed. And then the next day I got to touch it again and really cement those ideas of what I wanted to do into my day. So what we want to do when we're planning our day is we want to be looking for touchstone events that are things that we kind of repeat. For me, this has often been taking my kids to school, picking them up, about the time we have dinner, and then when I put the kids to bed. Since I know these are the things that are going to be constant in my schedule, I'll write them in first because it means that it's easier to plan the rest of my day around them. It gives me that feeling of routine even when the things that I'm doing that day are far out of what I'd normally be doing because I have those touchstone events to come back to. This can also work well if we're thinking of terms of time blocking. So in time blocking, we're looking at building our schedule through various blocks. Right now, I'm in a work block. Pretty much every day between 10 to 12, I'm doing some sort of work on the podcast. Some days it's writing, some days it's recording, some days I'm just working on website stuff. The point here is that you can think of your classes throughout the day in a similar kind of fashion. You'll have your school blocks that always exist in the middle of the day. Of course, they'll move around as you go from semester to semester, but by knowing that they're there, you can then start building the rest of your routine around knowing when not to plan stuff because those are going to be your school blocks and then putting routine touchstone events around them. All right, I hope this helps. Shifting routines can be really hard, but if we can zoom out and look at what's going to stay the same, that can help keep us on track. All right, thanks again for the question. Hi, William. Thanks so much for your podcast. I was just diagnosed at the end of December. I'm 46, and it's been a game changer. My question is, well, it's going to be a bit of a story. I just finished my report cards for the middle of the uh, the year, and it's a task that's outside of my usual work tasks. But my usual work tasks also carry on. <laughs> so I have to do like you know, it feels like triple the work in a week or two, if I'm organized. So what I did this time, and I've done for years, is I've 
put everything aside and just on the report cards. And now I go back to work on Monday and I have to catch up on so much work. Like, I, yeah, it seems like I can't do both at the same time. It's like my mind has to just focus on report cards and let go of everything else. It can't do the regular stuff and report cards at the same time, if that makes sense. I think it might be a kind of hyper-focus thing. Um, anyway, so yeah, there's just something I want to learn about with compartmentalizing like that kind of tasks. And, um, and then also recovery. Uh, like, how do I go back to work and manage everything? I listened to your episode about coming back from a vacation, and that was really helpful. Even though I wasn't on a vacation, I was on an intense work week. But um, so I hope that makes sense. All right. Thanks for the question. Yeah, that does sound like a lot to take on. And it's not like a lot of us have an overabundance of extra time in our day to just add on more work when it appears. My days are pretty much filled every day, so I have to make those decisions on what I'm doing and what I'm not. So our first step is that we're going to have to find that time for extra work from somewhere else. This can mean shifting things around. It can mean doing certain things early if we know things are coming up, like our report cards here, and building in some slack to our systems so that we can take on that extra work. The idea here is that when we're taking on this extra work, it's good if we're actually able to dedicate time to completing the new thing. It makes the process go smoother if we're not trying to juggle two things at once. Of course, easier said than done, but it does help out. And also a big part of this is that we're not always going to be completely 100% successful on our first try of doing new things in this fashion. We're going to have to iterate and figure out what works, and we're not going to know what's actually going to work until we do it. Now, another part of this is the recovery. And we can think of this as when we're taking on this new responsibility, that's a big strain on our executive function, and we're using a lot of our mental energy. And when we're drained like that, it's going to make everything else harder to work on. Fortunately, there's some good ways we can work on helping ourselves recover here. The first is just making sure we're getting a good amount of sleep. I can't stress enough how important sleep is for managing our ADHD and helping us recover so that we're ready to take on these new challenges. Uh, of course, we don't always have the option of going to sleep right away when we need to recover. You know, like, say we're in the middle of the day, maybe we can take a nap, maybe we can't. So we do want to look at some other ways we can work on restoring ourselves, like getting some exercise, getting out into nature, or meditating. Often when I'm finding myself having trouble concentrating, I like to go take a walk in the woods. Exercise boosts a lot of our neurotransmitters, and it makes getting back on track a lot easier. There's also that we just don't spend enough time letting our brains think because we're so focused on getting to the next thing. Our brains like being able to work things through. So so if we give it the opportunity, it can really help calm our minds down and let us focus on what we want to. And finally, you had the question of it's possible for those of us with ADHD to completely dive deep into those focus tasks and still be able to handle everything else. Well, it's certainly difficult, but it's also something that we need to put into perspective. One of the things we have to think about is giving ourselves some slack on the days that we do those hard things. I often feel wrong when I'm trying to give myself slack because I should just be cracking the whip harder and making myself work through it, but that rarely works. What works is giving myself the grace to be like, hey, I did a hard thing. As I do that more, it lets me work back into my other routines because I'm not so worried about getting everything done. I'm just focused on getting the stuff done that I can. Some days I'm not going to hit everything on my list, and I've got to be okay with that. That's just how it is some days. And some days I'll get more than that done, and I don't want to try and make that the norm, because that's not realistic either. 
And the other part about giving yourself slack is it makes everything else easier when you know that it's okay. When I don't give myself that slack, it increases my anxiety. It makes me so much more likely to get derailed because I'm so worried about getting derailed. Is all I can focus on is being derailed. When there's slack in the system, okay, maybe I got off task for a little bit, but it's okay. And I can just gently redirect myself. All right. I hope that helped and uh, good luck with your report cards next time they come and, and good luck with the report cards next time they come around. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. One, a lot of our digital clutter comes from stuff that we just build up over time. One of the easiest ways to reclaim some of that space is to go through and look for those keepers, maybes, and rejects. It's easy to get rid of the rejects in the first step, and then go through and decide on the maybes after we've cleared out some of that other stuff. Two, once we've cleared out that space, it's also important to back up our data. And the name of the game while backing up data is redundancy. I use Google's cloud service for my first level, and then I also have an external hard drive that I keep more of my files backed up on. Three, routines can be really helpful for creating structure for our ADHD brains. So when that structure needs to change for things like work or school, we need to look for touchstones in our schedule that we can keep the same and then build our schedule out from there. Four, Remember that when we're trying to do new things, that we're not always going to be 100% successful at implementing our strategies the first time. That doesn't mean we failed. Often, it's actually a sign that we're heading in the right direction, because any progress is progress in the right direction. We want to think about iteration and what went well and what didn't, and then try and build on the stuff that did work for us. Links for everything I mentioned in this episode can be found at the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com slash building touchstones. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can reach me over at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. You might also be interested in the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For in-depth interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers. If you're a parent with ADHD or have a child with ADHD, definitely check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. And now be sure to check out the network's newest show, ADHD Diversified with MJ Siemens. I also do a live Q&A with the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to register for the next one, just go to ADHDRewired.com events. And now for your moment of dad. Man, learning a new language is tough. I just confused the word jacuzzi with the word yakuza, and now I'm in really hot water with the Japanese mafia. Mm-hmm.